Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I'm here with Jack Paxson. He is the full stack digital marketer and founder with over 200 million in profitable ad spend with his ad agency, topgrowthmarketing.com. His vision is to create awesome marketing software, which includes viper.io and hyax.com, which is H-Y-A-X products that help brands scale their consumers or their, and their customers and revenue. Jack, thanks for being on the show. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me again, Sean. Yeah, I think this is the third time you're the re- you're the repeat guest. But I love um, every time that we talk. I think you were in the one of the first episodes of just with Viper, and then we had some sideline conversations about top growth marketing, and then it was like you know Viper iteration 2.0 before uh, COVID hit. And so now it's, you know, after after COVID or we're still in COVID with, you know, pandemic and stuff like that and closings. But then you've built another company with Hiax um, with everything to kind of support that. But I think we um, you and I have kind of noticed the whole spectrum of how companies are um, building better customer experiences for their for their for their people and for their audiences and so my first question, I think that listeners would really love to know is, you know, why is there such a heavy importance um, on content creators around customer experience? Yeah, so I think this has been a sort of trend that we've been looking into. And, you know, one of the big reasons why we went down the path of building, uh, you know, essentially a content management system Um so you can think of things like Podia, Kajabi, all these sorts of platforms who are like uh, Patreon, OnlyFans, all these different platforms that are now starting to really allow creators to start monetizing that content and owning that whole sort of customer experience for themselves um, so that they can give their followers and fans a unique experience. Now, I think the reason that this is sort of becoming more and more popular is because there is so much content and, you know, it's really hard to filter through all that as a consumer. So what people I think are doing are definitely looking to see, you know, certain groups of people or influencers or websites or brands they really connect with. And then those brands are creating more unique experiences for them. And it's more about creating those thousand super fans than having a hundred thousand people who don't really care. Um, because we know that the super fans have much higher profitability than just large audiences, as you've sort of seen in the influencer marketing space, when, you know, you have these influencers with 10 million followers and they can't even sell 10 t-shirts. Um, however, there's, you know, these micro influencers that have maybe like 10,000 people and they're selling thousands of t-shirts. So it's really about having that uh, strong connection with the customers, making a unique experience and really integrating them into, um, you know, that person's or brand's ecosystem. And that's where sort of content creation has changed. And that's how a lot of people are now differentiating themselves. Yeah, I I like that in the sense that I've I've noticed that, too. I mean, there's a lot of um, a lot of companies are kind of noticing I think Coca-Cola just kind of announced that uh, about a month or so ago, they just let go of the ad agencies because they were getting a lot of impressions, but they weren't getting a lot of engagement. They weren't getting a lot of conversions revenue out of that. And I think that that kind of spoke a lot to how the agency models and how content is being created today and how it's being engaged, digested, interacted with. Mm -hmm. Um, How can um, 
businesses own their audience? I think that's the next the yeah. next big question on the other yeah. side. <laughs> yeah. So just to backpedal a little bit from that, because um, a lot of people don't necessarily know what the difference between owned and rented is. So when you think of a brand or a personality, you have an audience. And this audience is the people who follow you, they engage with you, they buy your stuff, all that sort of thing. Now, the difference between owned and rented is that if you're renting your audience, it means that that audience is owned by someone else, such as social media. Um, one of the biggest use case examples in e-commerce is Amazon. You know, all of the merchants don't have their customer information. Um, so this is one of the biggest examples of an audience that is rented, not owned. And then you have, you know, obviously all the social medias, like I mentioned, all of those profiles and data is owned by the social media platforms. And they're the ones just selling that on and the influencers and everybody, they're just renting those audiences. Um, you know, they can be shut down at any point, their accounts disabled or whatever it may be, as we've seen, you know, with stricter regulation and more control, uh, you know, having your account or having your business or big following tied to one platform that you don't own the users on is becoming more and more dangerous. So that's kind of like the difference between owned and rented because owned is actually really traditionally uh, email marketing. And, you know, we started out everybody owning their audience by collecting emails and phone numbers. That was back in the day where everybody owned that information and no matter which platform you used, you could take that information with you. Now, you know, it all shifted towards social media and then, you know, marketplaces and all these other things where the merchants um, or the brands and businesses and personalities lost control of their audiences because all of the awareness was on these other platforms. And so they had to go to those platforms to get, uh, to get the engagement exposure that they wanted. Now I think we're going to see a shift back to what it was with email marketing where people are now sort of like building their own email lists, customer lists, databases, and user experiences um, so that no matter what happens, they can take their customers and their users and followers anywhere they go. Because we've definitely seen in the last year when, you know, you've had coronavirus hit, you've had all of these different issues in paid advertising, all these different issues with Amazon and Apple and all these other things of these platforms and marketplaces that's been severely affecting these personalities or brands. And they're being like, okay, well, uh, you know, I can't do anything about this because I don't actually own my customers or anything. So the importance of owning your customer base essentially means that you have their info in their order info, their name, their shipping addresses, their emails, their phone numbers, and all that sort of information that you can then use to get in touch with them again. So the importance of having that is that you can keep reselling to those people. You can change platform no matter, you know, if Facebook goes down, Instagram goes down, TikTok rises up, another platform rises up, you can always take that audience and just put them into that new platform. Um, you can't really take your Instagram followers and convert them into, you know, TikTok followers. But if you have all their emails, you can create custom audience lists. You can email them to go and join and all that sort of stuff. Because if you post on Instagram to say, hey, everybody go over to my TikTok account, chances are Facebook's going to probably, you know, I know it's not public, but they're not really going to start allowing that because that's removing their users and giving them to another platform, which is a competitor to them. 
So, you know, organic reach is like two to 3%. Um, so, you know, you want to have that email list, that SMS list and all these other ways to communicate with your brand and your followers, sorry, your brand followers, because it gets really tough when you rely on these platforms organically to reach your entire audience, because they just keep decreasing the amount of reach that you get for your own followers. And that's where paid media comes in. You know, Facebook is now pretty much pay to play. Um, whereas it used to be a very organic platform. You can see LinkedIn still has a little bit of organic, but it's moving in the same direction, sort of pay to play. Um, TikTok right now is extremely organic because they're trying to grow and get a lot of users and engagement on board. But I'm sure over time, you'll see that same thing happen again where they start restricting the organic and you have to pay. So, you know, that's the difference between paid and rented and the main benefit of owning Sorry, that's the difference between rented and owned. And the main takeaway from owning your customers is that you diversify uh, by allowing your users to be on any platform. And no matter if that platform thrives or dives, you can then just move to the next one. Um, so yeah, really encouraging creators uh, and businesses and brands to really invest in, you know, building their own stores, like, you know, Shopify and that sort of stuff allows you to own your customer data. And then also uh, start really investing in your email lists, your membership groups, uh, paid newsletters, and all these other things where you have full control over that. Interesting. I mean, I think you you very well articulated. I mean, the difference between own and rented because th- there has been there has been instances where I've noticed, and even in the last even before last five years, that rented has become, you know more of a staple in a lot of, you know, companies these days. I mean, we mentioned Facebook, LinkedIn, Google's always been that way. Um, I mean, you do have organic and that kind of stuff, but it just makes, it makes that scalability capacity. And all of a sudden, once they get past that organic phase, then they're like, Hey, you know, you got to pay to play. Um, But it becomes increasingly difficult um, with organic too. So how do you, how do you move that? And I think that's the next kind of question is, how can businesses um, build, you know, sales funnels, upsells, you know, maximize their value for each customer by, you know, from what you've seen, what you've used at, you know, Viper and Hiax, you know, what's kind of the quintessential kind of, you know, insights that you, you've noticed, you know, building these companies um, as well as, you know, with top growth, you know, marketing, you know, how, how has that affected and what you have seen in, in the patterns of when you know somebody looks at a product these days or wants to, you know, be on social or, you know, get it, get an email or something like that. What are, what are the most important things that they need to, to kind of remember to, to, in order to get, you know, bottom line revenue? Yeah, this is a great question. And I think in general, uh, you know, store owners or personal brands, anybody building an audience to then sell to really needs to start looking a little bit more into their numbers. So for example, at Top Worth Marketing, where we do all the ad stuff and we work with a lot of brands that way, you know, our main things are, okay, what's our average order value? What's our conversion rates? What's our LTV lifetime value? So months over months, we're trying to improve these things because you'll find that there's a small segment of your fans or followers or audience or traffic that's going to generate most of your revenue. Now you want to make sure that you're maximizing the lifetime value on the people you have, because it's so much easier than going and finding new people. And when you already have an audience really just 
funneling down to those people who, you know, have the money to spend, they're super fans, they're super engaged. Those people are going to buy time and time and time again. It's going to cost you less and less money to reach them, um, especially if you own that customer information and really maximizing your average order value. So that's adding things like upsells and that sort of stuff. Like if you have a store, you know, really thinking about how you can sell them something that's complementary to what they're buying or sell them a, a bigger version of what they're buying. So, you know, the classic example is McDonald's. You know, the cross-sell is, you know, getting the burger, fries, and drink, and the upsell is going from small to large. Um, so, you know, when you're thinking about your own store or your own products that you're selling, think about, okay, what additional products can I sell that's going to complement this, and how can I upsell them to a larger size? Or one thing that we've seen working really well is upselling people to a subscription. So you're really looking at generating that recurring revenue, which is people paying monthly for things instead of, you know, a one-time payment. And then you have to go and chase them down again to get them to buy something else. So the beauty of that is that coming back to that lifetime value. So it's how much money someone would spend with your brand over the lifetime of them being a customer. Uh, you know, the subscription model works really well for increasing that lifetime value because, you know, every month you're, you're getting revenue from that person. Now, that sort of leads into what physical products are doing, but then now we're seeing a shift towards digital products and content being a subscription option. So, you know, you're seeing the rise of paid, paid newsletters. Um, you know, the newspaper industry, which is super old school, was actually one of the early adopters of paid content because they originally just printed papers and delivered them to everybody's doorstep and you paid monthly for them. And now they're realizing that, okay, going out and delivering all these papers is not profitable anymore. So they create online publications and it's now a monthly subscription to access that content. So thinking about your current business, uh, what physical products you're selling, what digital products you're selling, and how to possibly integrate both of them to increase the amount of things that you can sell to your fans. Because again, it's much easier to make you know, let's say a million dollars from, let's say 10,000 super fans than it is to make a million dollars from like a million people who don't really care about your brand or what you're talking about. So the only way you're going to do that is to increase that average order value and increase that lifetime value. Um, so when someone comes to your website, that's only the start of the journey. As a business owner, you should be thinking about how can I get them back? How can I sell them something else? How can I deliver more value? If I've sold them a physical product, what digital products can I sell them? If I've sold them a digital product, what physical products can I sell them? So you can diversify your uh, sort of income by selling these different types of products, which I think we're going to see a lot more brands starting to do. You also sort of see this in, uh, in uh, celebrities as well as influencers. So we work with a lot of these, uh, like whether it's an athlete or an artist or someone like that, and they're now starting to sell merch in addition to what they were selling, like music and all that sort of stuff. So you're seeing all of these brands find different ways to monetize and different ways to increase the lifetime value of their fans and customers. Does that sort of answer it? <laughs> yeah, no, that does. That answers it perfectly. I think um, it's, it's a similar solution, but putting it to a different vertical, different segment, a different um, idea towards what businesses should be doing of how to, um, how to maximize. And I think you, you maximize, but also diversify, I think is a big thing, especially with um, companies that are selling uh, physical products. 
that's been interesting because then if you you're selling a physical product like you're in e-commerce then you can start you know if you're in the fashion industry and you're selling you know you know certain kinds of items or even like stitch fix when they do that and they do bundles um mm-hmm. it was genius how they do a subscription model but then there's other avenues that they could possibly go down towards in the sense of content of how should you style yourself and do like style books and sell mm-hmm. those as an option too so enough grilling questions here uh but you know is there something you know that you've helped a client with a pivot that you made something inspirational that you kind of want to talk to of kind of what we've talked about with content and with you know how do you maximize revenue upsells um is there something you want to kind of share to the converge coffee audience about that yeah so i would say one of the best examples of sort of like pivoting and changing a little bit um is some of the apparel companies um, that we've worked with and the importance of the exclusivity and building that super fan kind of like database. So if you have a product that you're selling and you have the opportunity to kind of like expand your product line. So we came in and, you know, product line hadn't really changed that much. Um, you know, still selling the same thing, um, uh, low price items, uh, or high price items, nothing really in between. And so what we sort of came in and did here was we sort of started thinking like, okay, well, what if you released a new product every month? And then, you know, the prior two weeks, we would hype up that product and say, hey, we're only going to make 500 of these. Um, you know, do you, want, do you want one? And then email, add, uh, add your email, add your phone number. And that would start building that owned uh, audience. And this is an e-commerce store in the apparel space. And so, you know, the time would come, the launch would go and they would sell out in, you know, a few hours. And so, we're like, okay, great. Now at the end of that, we would say, okay, if you want to hear about the next one, put in your name, put in your phone number. And so every time we did this, we increased that owned database every single time. So that now when you do a launch, you literally just send out an email and a, and a text and you sell out whatever your exclusive run is in, you know, a few hours. Now this is kind of copied from what sort of Supreme does, but Supreme does on a much higher level, but there's no reason why, you know, e-commerce stores can't do this and really engage with those super fans and get people to invest in the brand. Because the reason that people want this product so much is because it's limited and because it's, like essentially just branded from the brand. So it's like their own style. It's their own actual apparel, um, uh, which has their own logo on it and all that sort of stuff. So it's people supporting that brand. And, you know, this has been really interesting because it's really made the value of that super fan stand out because now those people spend, you know, a hundred X what they would have spent when they were just coming to the store and buying maybe one item. Now they're coming back kind of like, you know, every few months to get one of these exclusive items. And then out of those exclusive items, you just see the ones that do really, really well and you make an adjustment to it and then add that to your evergreen line. So that's kind of like a way that you're really maximizing your LTV of your super fans and keeping the loyalty really, really high. Because if some, once people start kind of like wearing that brand's apparel, they're kind of just doing the marketing for you. And it's really creating that really tight knit of people. And that's where you sort of see these communities build and all of these customers start like becoming a tribe almost. And, uh, 
you know, that's been really interesting how that's changed in e-commerce because a lot of the stuff that we used to do was literally just like, okay, send people to the sales funnel. All right, try and improve the conversion rates. Great. Um, you know, and keep trying to sell that same thing. But now like thinking about different ways to create exclusivity, to create a community and a really push the LTV on that community has been really interesting. And I think that's been one of the big pivots that we've seen in kind of like apparel and e-commerce is, you know, product development, changing it, making it exclusive and engaging with your top sort of, you know, five, 10% of fans. And, um, you know, you keep going back to those guys that are, you know, really loyal and really willing to keep buying time and time again. Um, so I would say that's been an interesting pivot uh, in the apparel e-commerce space for some of the brands we've worked with. I know sort of this has been done by brands in the, in the past, but I think now with, you know, print on demand, uh, you know, super easy access to manufacturers, uh, you know, talking to manufacturers about uh, design edits or product manipulation edits, that sort of stuff allows you to create uh, unique, unique experiences for your, for your community as well. So, you know, that's, that's one takeaway that we've seen that's been really successful in the e-commerce space. And then I think going on from that, the next step will be to introduce some sort of digital product. So you don't have to deal with shipping. You don't have to deal with whatever it may be. And I think that might even be in the form of kind of like a VIP membership where you pay X amount of dollars to receive these drops before anybody else. So we've sort of done that with um, AppSumo, which is one of the clients that we run all the ads for. And they have the AppSumo Plus, which is essentially a paid membership, and they just get early access or extended access to the deals that they run on their website. So that's a really interesting hybrid between kind of like e-commerce one-time purchases and then subscription and membership model. I like that. And I, I like the examples too of kind of what you're what you're seeing in the sense of, how do, how are you bridging everything together from physical to digital from you know you know millions of fans down to your top your top super fans of what you can you you can work with them so cuz you can't you can't please everybody but you can please you know those top super fans enough to have i mean easily word of mouth marketing if it's something that they're wearing i mean that's just kind of the biggest thing so this part of the episode jack is it's not about any of the companies. It's about you. So, you know, I know you this probably we've, we've done this before and we've done this, this part of the episode before, but why, why do you do what you do? Why, why, you know, work on the three companies that you're, that you're at? Yeah, I think is, I think it's really just, you know, it's, it's a constant strive for growth and innovation and, you know, a sucker for being shiny, uh, shiny object syndrome. Um, you know, always wanting to go and discover new things, trying new things, test new things. And then I think at the end of the day, it's just really rewarding to see companies grow, just like watching companies go from like, you know, making maybe a few thousand dollars a month to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands. Um, you know, that's just a really rewarding experience. And, you know, you definitely can't do it without a team. So also seeing that success with your team, it really helps because, you know, you can see the motivation that they have and then the rewards that they get for seeing that success and the relationships you build with these founders and that sort of stuff is really important too. So I think at the end of the day, it's just kind of like watching these companies grow and, you know, moving it away from like the big, you know, top 1% of the world that earns 
you know, 90% of the wealth or whatever it is. And really sort of seeing like these individuals who maybe just have a YouTube channel, maybe just have an influence uh, on Instagram or something, go and actually create businesses of these and, you know, create pretty successful companies out of it. Uh, you know, the internet's really opened up the platform for anybody to really create and sell content and also create and sell product. So I think that's a really rewarding part of it. What do you do as, you know, you know, for a hobby and what do you do as for health to kind of help yourself recharge? Because I mean, we're only, we're only human. So we're going to burn out, you know, eventually um, if we, if we work, 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 work. So, you know, what's, what do you do as for hobby and health? Yeah. So I think uh, definitely health has taken a decline during, uh, <laughs> during COVID. Um, but yeah, usually it's, you know, gym and surfing, um, you know, every few days. And I think the other thing for, for fun is definitely just, you know, entertaining and having barbecues and people around and that sort of thing, uh, which has obviously been much more limited recently, but, you know, just, uh, just being surrounded by people that you have fun with, um, you know, it's really important. And I think that's a, a huge stress reliever when you just get to kind of like zone out of work and just hang out with friends and do dinners and barbecues and that sort of stuff. So I would say, you know, that's, that's my sort of like happiness balance. Um, and, uh, you know, doing, doing little trips, whether it be to like, you know, even just somewhere else in California, um, just going there for a week with a few friends, um, you know, changing up that environment is also a great way to recharge. I like that. So Jack, you know, thanks for being on this episode, talking about, you know, content creators, talking about different ways to, you know, find your audience to maximize upsell, but creating value for the super fans of your brand. And then giving a little bit of sneak peek of, you know, some of ways of companies can start doing that now, you know, versus owned versus rented and including some paid and kind of figuring out where that bridge gap is between, you know, physical, digital, early access membership, you know, VIP membership, and then also sharing about you, like what makes you tick? Why do you want to you see growth and, and also where, how you recharge and how you, you know, want to get back to the, you know, the gym and surfing days um, before COVID. So thank you for being on this episode. Ah, thanks, Sean. Really loved it. And uh, it was a good time. And to all the Converge coffee drinkers out there, that's a wrap. <laughs>